0: Welcome to Felony Miami, where we have real conversation with real people about the justice system in the USA. On Valentine's Day, 2018, one of the world's deadliest school shootings took place at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Seventeen students and teachers were killed, and millions traumatized as the nation watched in horror while it all unfolded on television. In response, a student movement emerged via a hashtag, NeverAgain and its proponents use the media attention around it to promote an activist narrative about changing gun laws and challenging lawmakers for their beholden support of the NRA. Today on Felony Miami, we explore what happened that tragic day. On today's program, we're joined by Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Teacher, who was on campus during the shooting, and he shares with us what he and his students experienced during the attack and the feelings they felt on their first day back on campus together since the tragic events took place. And we also welcome a former state representative with a U.S. Army background and an award-winning investigative journalist to our panel. Without truth, there is no justice. And where there is injustice for one, there is injustice for all. Welcome to Felony Miami. Let's air it out. Welcome back to Felony Miami. I'm your host. My name is Joe Stone. On today's show, we have three guests. We have Francisco Alvarado, who is an investigative uh, journalist, and he does investigative work for Reuters, the Washington Post, Florida Bulldog Magazine, and... Vice. Vice. Yes, nice. yes. Thank, thank you for you. having me. Welcome to the show. We also have Daisy Baez, former Florida State Representative from the Democratic Party. Welcome.
1: Thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. Thank you
0: so much. And we have Mr. Chris Maddox, uh, Communications Director for FDF Global, and an English teacher at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, the uh, high school that was just uh, involved in a horrible uh, attack and tragedy here in Parkland, Florida. Uh, welcome to the show, Chris. I'm glad to be here. I'm happy you're here. Yeah. Today was, I'm going to jump right in. Today was your, your guys' first day back to school since the shooting.
2: First day back with students. First uh, back. We had been back since last week, Friday. Uh, students came today. And um, <clears throat> it was um, it was a long day, but it was a good day. It, it was, the kids were in great spirits, which was good because we had prepared for the worst. Um, yeah. We had grief counselors on campus. We had um all types of support staff. We had an army of therapy dogs. Um Oh wow. Yeah. Puppies.
0: Puppies, um all types of dogs. Oh, that's amazing. And but I have to say like I can see like I can see just your your physical appearance and your energy cuz I've seen you before and you look like uh like it was a very emotional day.
2: Yeah. It has been for the last couple of weeks. Um yeah um, Today was the first day of my class that we um, when everything happened, I was in my fourth hour my fourth hour class. that was the last class of that particular day and so that's the group that we evacuated with and um, today was and so when we started school today, we started with our fourth hour classes for that purpose. Um, So it was my first time seeing them since, you know, Wednesday. And so that was, it was good, though. You know, I saw some of them on Sunday when we had the reunification, open house type thing. Um, A lot of kids came out, which was great to see them. But uh, today our... um, our squad was together, meaning that fourth hour group. Um, it's one of my favorite classes and, uh, and almost all of them showed up today. Um, I think we only had one kid absent in that particular group. So it was good to see them. Um, and they were great. They were in high spirits and ready to talk and ready to, um, and ready to move, you know, like forward. So, it was a long day. Um, it's been a long couple days leading up to it. Yeah. But um proud of our kids. Um, they're good kids. They're resilient and they're smart. And um, and they are so uh, prepared for this moment that they have to like um, elocute themselves to articulate their feelings and emotions and and me as a communicator and as a an English teacher, I couldn't be more proud of them. You know, yeah. so yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Thank you uh, so much for for coming here. I know it. I know at the end of the day, you know, coming here uh, not easy. Uh, yeah. We're super grateful that you're here and able to share this you know experience with us. And you know, I mean this this. Opens the door for a lot of conversation, you know, uh, about guns, about schools, about mental health care, about um, why these uh, different uh, entities were informed about this kid. And I don't know. You can't say nothing was done, but clearly not enough was done. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and um, again, you know, we started a hashtag a couple weeks ago after we saw what these kids were doing. You know, hashtag I'm with the kids. Mm -hmm. Because I think what these kids are doing to me, it's uh, it just fills me up with a lot of hope. And because uh, I see this generation, they're they're not haters, you know. Mm-hmm. They're they're smart, they're good, and like you said, they are prepared. And to hear that from you, so I'm a person that was that's a part of that community and in that school and sees these kids, to hear that reinforced is mm-hmm. uh, it's just to yeah. me, it's it's great. It's great news. But yeah. I'm gonna open it up to to you guys also. What do you mm-hmm. what do you think? Um, you know, going forward, the solution is going to be for these kind of things that keep happening in our country.
1: I I think we had been obviously involved in, in different conversations recently, but I'm personally very excited and very um, humbled to see the how these kids have emerged from this tragedy and how resilient, how tough, how determined they are. And for the first time, I personally... Feel real hope that they will affect change in what's happening in the United States. I, I see them as taking not taking no for an answer. I see them as believing that change is possible. And maybe some of us have become um, doubters or have become disenchanted with politics. But I think we have, we are witnessing a transcendental change or movement in our nation. And it's being led by 16, 17, and 18-year-olds. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I think it's a magical moment almost. And um, they have the tools, which is their passion more than anything. They, they're not trained politicians. They don't have specific causes. They just want... Other kids and themselves to be safe and to have a nation where we respect childhood and where we respect the the, the process of development of children and where we protect them. And so, I know that that it that it, it's like the phoenix rising out of the ashes of this the, the tragedy. But what what we're seeing is just an amazing thing. I'm just thankful to be. Able to see and be a witness to this. Yeah, and
0: I, I think I think we all I know I think this and I'm sure that you guys think this, you know, a lot of times you see this big uprising right after. You know, the key I think is to sustain this energy and to into not let you know, this is right. a great opportunity, it's a great timing, but it is it's imperative that, you know, and listen, that's one of the, you know, causes of felony Miami is to bring attention to these matters, to talk about these things and to give people hopefully some tools and resources. To uh, make some changes and to and to move you know these agendas of uh, of unity forward.
3: Yeah, I think yeah. I mean I think the biggest takeaway is that you have this new you know this this young generation. I mean the kids that I think at Marjorie Stoneman and they were not not just them but they're inspiring kids from all over to start taking notice and start start taking a stand. You know. With the people who control government, and um, <clears throat> you know, like it's not going to happen overnight. Because I mean, you know, even even though they are applying a lot of pressure and you know, and demanding change and demanding action, we still have you know, uh, we still have you know, the, in particular the Florida legislature that um, is still kowtowing to the um, to the gun lobby and to the gun industry, and and refusing to to do like, you know, meaningful change, but it's something these kids are gonna remember and they're not gonna forget. And it's gonna make them realize that they have the power to take them
2: out of office and make change on their own. Exactly. To yeah. that point, if I could, um, what's unique, why everyone says this time it feels different. One reason why I think it feels different is because these kids um, are different. I've worked at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas now. This is my uh, third year. And so my first set of ninth graders are now juniors. My first set of sophomores are now graduating. And I have students who are leaving who come in and give me recommendation papers to say, hey, my dad just got a job in Singapore. I'm going to the American school in Singapore for a semester, and then I'll be back. So the kids who you're talking about aren't your everyday... Right, yeah. These are kids who, who know how their parents navigate the... Corridors of power.
0: Yeah, it's it's a somewhat affluent area. Also, very affluent. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a there's a lot of smart families mm-hmm. and people there because I know that a lot of people from, you know, the east part of Miami, uh, they all migrated out that way specifically so they could get good, safe schools to mm-hmm. put their kids into. Um, you know, so I do think that is one of the reasons. Yeah, You're they right.
2: are they are worldly. Kids, yeah. they are they're they are already citizens of the world. A large part of them, yeah. so this school is the the only school I've ever worked at that is like that. Um, and so now, when given a catalyst, they're pulling from all of those different resources and memories and funneling it in this particular direction. And it might seem as if the school is united in one viewpoint, but it isn't. But what I love about it is that those Debates are happening, but they're happening based on logic and now, based what kind on of the debates way
0: debates about guns. Debates or, about guns, because
2: just as much those? as Parkland is affluent, it is also a very—it's it, got a strong conservative group there, yeah. and a good gun culture. Um, right. We have students who shoot guns, who are shooters, right. and so today we tried to stay away from that. We absolutely did stay away from it. I established one new rule in my room. I was like, we're going to put our politics aside when we're in the room, you know, because we don't want to fight with each other here. No one wins when the family feuds, you know? So, um, but this is so the campus is not, you know, homogenous like that. But what I love about it and what was so great about today is like, you would never know it. Um, they, they are still coming together, even though they are from different ideological backgrounds. And even though they have differences of of beliefs, as an English teacher, this is what I've been teaching under Common Core in Florida is argumentation. And they are arguing the way that they've been taught, and I'm very happy about that. And I wish more of our adult arguments happened in that way. You know, point, counterpoint, concede, no. You know, instead of just, you know, I'm in my ideological corner, you're in yours and we can never, never the twain shall meet, you know? And that's kind of where our politics is now, which is like, which is frustrating. I, I crave a middle somewhere, you know? Right. Yeah, that is the,
3: the, the biggest challenge right now in this country when we're, you know, when anybody can get on a soapbox on social media and create hysteria and, you know, spread propaganda that, that doesn't help either side. It just kind of like makes people like, you know, just back into their own corners mm-hmm. and um as opposed to coming to the middle like you said and trying to like understand each other and one another and like and maybe you mean you're not going to agree on everything mm-hmm. but i think at the end of the day everybody will agree like yeah we, we need to do something so that there is no there never is another incident like what happened at you know, at Marjory Stoneman Douglas High, ever again. Yeah, yeah. I don't
0: think anybody disagrees that we should have safety in our schools. I mean, I don't care what your politics is. Everybody thinks, yeah, a good education and safety in your school. That one should that one goes without saying.
1: Um, if I may add a comment, I think one of the the things that I see in these kids is almost a sense of they have nothing to lose, and I think when when you see politicians and you see just the older generation, they're always in a sort of like a measured way, trying to mm-hmm. not be too confrontational or trying to say the right things or the scripted thing. They don't have that. They're they're able to just go out and say how they feel and what they expect. And I think that has been refreshing to a lot of people. And what you have seen is that that approach has already uh, made a huge difference. We saw today how... Walmart and Dick's, uh, Dick's Sporting, Sporting Goods spoo- yeah. both chose not to continue to sell assault weapons. Weapons, right. so so, and to raise the age, I think exactly. Yes, yeah. So, and in, in other changes, other companies, right. other like the pressure. So, the fact that they have so quickly able to organize and have this uh, march on on March twenty fourth, uh, and the fact they have the, the the level of interest that they have generated, all because. They're not afraid, yeah. and I think that's refreshing. So
0: let me ask you guys. Uh, we'll take this around the table. What do you feel about the uh, the AR fifteen? Do you think we should all have uh, access to
3: those? Okay, I'll start off. <clears throat> um, You know, I've had the chance to write stories about you know both sides because I've actually I mean I've hung out with people who are are for gun control, and I've also done stories on people you know who are probably just like the students in your school that, you know, that are shooters and enjoy mm-hmm. shooting, you know, as a pastime. And, and, and I've definitely, you know, like I don't, I don't see myself as being on either side of the equation. Cause I see both sides. I see like there, I can hear the arguments of the people who own guns and have guns for a hobby. I have friends that, that, that is a hobby for them. Um However, I do believe that measures that these private companies are taking like uh, Dick's and Walmart should be done and that those are smart moves yeah. because at the end of the day it's a responsible yeah. thing because I mean at the end of the day I mean I don't care how you cut it I mean at 18 19 20 your brain is still forming yes. you know you're still you're still like making impulsive decisions and and adding a gun to the mix is 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 like you know, it's just it doesn't make any sense. No. Um, and that's not saying that, you know, that we not add alcohol to the mix. Really. I mean that's yeah. not saying that you can't be responsible with you know, with a kid and, you know, show them how to handle guns and let them, you know, have access to guns and understand gun culture. But at the same time, you got to teach them responsibility. So yes or and, no
0: for the AR-15s? That oh, I'm sorry, we're right. dancing around here. Yeah, no. Um, I like uh, the input. <laughs> uh,
3: sorry, we're going got, off on a tangent yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. But um, the AR-15, yeah. Um, I mean, to me, it's like—I mean, I don't see how you can how banning the AR-15 will cha- will will prevent you know another you know. Mass tragedy. Um, It's it's very, and again, I'm just saying this, and I'm not saying this because it's like you know, it's just because of the gun culture in America, and it's like, and we, and it's a gun that has a that the only difference from like another rifle is the fact that it has a stock. I mean, I mean, a pistol grip that has a pistol grip, and it goes in, and so you go into all these debates about like you know, you get into like people get lost into this debate about the mechanics of the gun, Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day. I think it's not so much about the gun. It's about m- making sure that the people who shouldn't have those guns right. get those guns.
0: Exactly. How about you, Daisy?
1: No. Uh, I, I am not for assault weapons being in the hands of civilians. And I can say that from my perspective of having served in the United States Army, I trained to use weapons. I'm very comfortable handling them. Um, so it's to me is there's a purpose for them and the right people should have them, which are people who have a badge and a uniform. Being police or military, I don't see why these weapons have to be in the hands of civilians, especially untrained civilians or civilians who have not gone through a rigorous process to get these weapons. If we are going to allow them, which I oppose, then at least you should have to Go through some uh, extensive background checks, through training, through um, sort of like a mental health evaluation, Definitely. like a licensing and, process, exactly, and yeah. have a permit and yeah. only with certain restrictive uses. And so um, that's that's what I believe. I don't I don't see why I I am for the Second Amendment. I, I do believe that people should have guns for their protection within a reasonable uh, parameter Mm -hmm. and with the required permits and processes. But that will be like, you know, pistols and things that are reasonable. Arming a citizenship citizenship with, you know, assault weapon type, uh, you know, armory, it's not, to me, not reasonable. It's not necessary. It's making us actually more unsafe. um, And especially having this idea of having... Uh, Weapons in the hands of teacher, I think, is a terrible idea.
0: That's. I want to ask you this, Chris. You're a teacher, Mm. and I'm gonna. Besides the AR-15 question, I want to add to this question for you. Uh, Do you think teachers ought to have guns? Um, I mean, is that is that something you would sign up for? Um, To
2: the AR-15 first. Um, I consider myself to be a very moderate individual. Um, I wouldn't. You know, when the Assault Rifles ban happened in the mid-90s, I was in high school at that time. It was a big deal. It was in all the rap music. Um, people still were able to get Assault Rifles. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, the sentiment that counted. And so I, I, previous to everything that happened two weeks ago, I was right there in the middle. The thing that has changed my mind about the AR-15 or, and I understand it because I've been hearing that on the news the whole thing, you know, it's one type of a larger set and a hand grip and, and all this stuff. I was a f- football field away with 24 kids with me trying to evacuate the school. And I heard those six shots and they were as loud as if it was right here. When I heard them, I flinched. And I remember in my mind, in like a in a split second of flinching, of being like, why am I flinching? It can't possibly be. You know what I mean? Like, there's no one with a gun over here, but you could hear it, and so that, um, and then that's when I mean, kids, everybody took off after that, and then it was a mad dash to get off the campus, and so after hearing that, that's when I was like, man, hearing something like that in a in that in particular environment, you know, one of these things is not like the other type deal. Yeah, it was totally foreign, right? Yeah, it yeah. it. it, it it shook me. I was like, whoa. And everyone, and, and we heard it. And there was the whole conversation that you're hearing people talking about, oh, firecrackers. Everyone was saying that because it was like, it can't possibly be Bullish. gunfire. It can't possibly be that. Of course, it would think that. You know, it's, if school is about to let out somebody's playing a joke, can't possibly be, you know, six shots in rapid succession like that. So, banning the AR 15, here's my plan. You want to buy an AR-15. After this happened, me and my cousin went, and my cousin is a, that's what I mean. Like, we all know, my cousin is yeah. a gun guy. Yeah. So he's a, all gun a gun guy. We all know a gun guy. Yes. We all do. And he's a teacher, to yeah. your second point. So this all happens. He calls me up. He says, cuz, I'm coming to get you. We're going to buy a gun, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm going yeah. to buy a gun. So he's my cousin. I love him. I'm like, you go buy a gun. I'll ride with you. We went to a gun shop. That day, he could have walked out of there with an AR-15 for $650. Like, the guy, we would have come back and get it two days. You know, you got just yeah. a waiting period or whatever. But the process, point being, we could have got up, got in the car, went, put the money down, right. access yeah. to the gun 48 hours later. You know, and it was, that was crazy to me. Um, and so he's of the opinion, you know, he wants to protect himself and all of that. I would be deathly afraid. After having people's children... And I've been a teacher for about nine years now. So I've, I'm have i used to having charge over people's children. But after having people's children in my care in a situation like that, I can't imagine having more guns added to the equation. I can't imagine. I know some teachers who died in that building. I know teachers who survived that situation. And having a gun and engaging in a shootout in a hallway of a school. Now, one of my good friends, Aaron Feist, the guy who died, he he drove the activity bus from, I coached JV basketball at the school, and he was part of my JV team. He drove us to our away games. That was my man. And um, when I heard he died, and I was talking to the kids today, some of the kids saw what happened, and they were coming to tell me, And he didn't have a gun, and I wish to God he did. The SRO officer, a school resource officer who didn't go in the building, trying not to judge the man, you know. (laughs) Crazy situation, I can't judge anybody after this. Nobody knows how to react in a situation like that. But I know my man Feist got up off his golf cart and went into that building unarmed to do whatever and ended up sacrificing his life. And the image of him going in there unarmed bothers me. I wish Feist could have had a gun. Do I need to have a gun in the classroom? Maybe not. But the, the, the security who are on the, the perimeter and everything, maybe. I don't know. The kids today expressed that they were very uncomfortable with all the guns on campus. Yeah. I mean... Today was crazy with police and all types of police, full riot stuff, loadout, handgun, handgun, assault rifle at my chest, and right. the kids were coming yeah. in classes like, whoa, it is yeah, crazy. It's freaky, yeah. We had a meeting after school today that yeah. kind of ran long, and they're going to...
0: You know our principals. You know he's talking to him like, "Yo, you gotta put the gun." Bring in. that down a little bit. Yeah, because we're, we're not used to that, and we're not used to that in America. You know, mm-hmm. I remember after 9/11 when I was at the airport when the airport's opened right. back up, seeing those guys in the airport. It's uncomfortable because you're not used. I've traveled around the world. When you know, when I'm in another country, and you see that, you're like, "Well, yeah, okay." I mean, mm-hmm. London. Yeah, I used to go to London yeah. back when the IRA stuff was going down. And Actually,
3: now again though. Yeah, I, I mean, was in London last year, right. and they were walking around with right.
0: But you're like, "Ah, all right, it's yeah. London." You see them with their UZIs or whatever it is they have, and you're like, "Ah, okay," but you we're not used to that in this country. <laughs> it's not part of our not at all thing. psyche. Our yeah, culture. so it's 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 kind of like, "Ugh, what's going?" And, on And here? just the last thing about arming teachers.
2: And in the hardening of schools thing is, I think all of that is just so much lazy ideas. Right. Um, if your solution to this problem is to give the teacher a gun, then you're still conceding the idea that someone will get a, a, a assault rifle or some weapon. Someone will attack a school. There will be casualties, but hopefully this teacher with a gun can can stem the tide. So you're still conceding death on some level, you know what I'm saying? If that's what you're doing. And then to harden a school, like when I was on campus today, a school should not be
1: like a fortress.
2: Yeah, that's right. what I put on my Facebook today. I drove in the school today, I had to get my ID checked all these times. School shouldn't be a fortress. And that's the thing I hated most about what this kid did is he he defiled our our place. And yeah. that's what a, you know, I didn't even really think about it like that until all of this happened about how much i consider that institution that school that i'm at seven and a half hours a day like that's my place and we don't want our places to be barracks you know what i mean like yeah, you, know, you don't want your wow. schools
0: looking like prisons. What
2: know? kind of school is that? Like, <laughs> what kind of school is that? When we're, it's, kids it's not, are doing school stuff and it's riding not skateboards, not learning and,
0: either. It's, no, because it's happened in some of this the the schools in our in our country that they do look like prisons because of precisely mm-hmm. this this problem. And and it's it's the studies show that it just it simply is not a healthy learning environment. Yeah, you know for for the students and uh, I'm sure for the teachers it's the same thing you know like you said you, you have to be there seven and a half hours a day and you know you're charged with uh, taking care of other people's children for that <laughs> period of time I mean it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a heavy responsibility I mean I can't imagine what uh, all of you guys were going through when you had to flee you know the building and you started hearing those shots and that that became a reality like this is happening <laughs>
2: Our our principal today today's uh, theme was reclaiming our campus because evacuating that campus was emotional. We gave it away. Um,
1: you have to leave everything behind.
2: We left everything. When I went mm-hmm. back for the first time, you know, there used to be this show on Discovery Channel called "What If Humans Left" or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the world is all overgrown and whatnot. And it felt like that when you went back. It not like things were overgrown, but like I walked in my room and it was, there was like a deflated Valentine's Day balloon that had hmm. come down to the ground. Someone's chocolate was melted on the desk, you know, like, so I walked in there and I was like, <laughs> whoa, it took you all the way back there. So evacuating that campus when it was Even after we heard the gunshots and kids started running, our first instinct is all the teachers out there, because we thought it was a fire drill. We heard the fire drill. And I will say this, our school, we had been drilling safety, drilling, drilling, drilling. So everyone knew when we heard the fire, okay, get up and go. We were outside and the kids knew before us um, that it was something serious because they could see it on their phones, on Snapchat, and on text messaging. Oh, really? Yeah. They knew before we did. We were outside. We thought it was a fire drill. I heard those six shots, and then all the teachers, we looked at each other like...
0: Because you didn't know it was a gun at first. We didn't
2: know it was a gun at first. And we're looking at each other, and the kids started booking it. And so you can imagine, you know, I have 25 kids I'm responsible for, and I talked to one of them today in my fourth period. Her face is burned into my memory. And she was like, yours is burned into mine. She goes to... She goes to take off running, and I screamed her name. You know, I called her name. <laughs> yeah. Stop running! And she turned, and she looked at me, and her face was a mask of terror. But she was conflicted. She's yeah. like, you know, Mr. Maddox told me to stay. You know, I know I should run. And she looked at me, and it kind of was like she gave me this look like I'm sorry, and then she just took off. It. Wow! And then one of my other former students came up to me. He's like, Mr. Maddox is real, and he showed me a video on his phone. There was a video already. Was that, was that the video that came out on the news? It was one the of kid? them. There are so many videos that have not come out. And that's the whole thing about the news aspect of it. When we evacuated, we just were evacuating with the knowledge we had at that time. If you had your cell phone, you were texting family and friends, what do you know? Because we didn't know anything. Okay. Now, having watched the news, we know, and that's the part that messes all of us up who are in other parts of the school, while I was doing my lesson and cutting jokes on my kids, people were already dead. By the time the fire alarm went off, people were already dead. And we were in class and we exited out like a fire alarm. Do 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 do. And people were already So that whole when that whole realization of it was it's crazy, like my man Feist. I'm like, so I've been thinking about that when I found him. I'm like, he was one of the first ones. And I'm like, so he was already dead, and I was just in my room, oblivious. Yeah. You know, so we evacuated the campus, and it was precarious. <laughs> we had to, there's a canal, and we are walking this rickety path. There's a gate here to the middle school, and we're a whole mass of people getting bottlenecked. And the kids were panicky because, you know, there's helicopters now. And who knew where the shooter was? And then to find out that he escaped by blending in with our whole mass of kids. Really? That's how he got out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that. this is the school, we evacuated here. Uh-huh. This is Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. This is the little field where we were at. We evacuated here. This is the middle school. There's a canal here in Sawgrass Expressway. You get here the canal bends and we had this, this is a long walk so we have a whole mass of kids then we get here and we got a funnel in and then they start jumping fences they're panicking there, and so we're all in the back trying to make sure no one falls into the canal so then by the time we got out to the road again and we emerged onto the road and it was in full there were police everywhere Helicopters. The kids were. Then you knew.
0: Well, you knew from the videos that it was
1: we knew from not the videos a fire. Was real, but yeah, 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 Not to the extent, probably. Not, not to that. Much. Yeah, that,
0: that's when you start seeing and all then that. As, stuff, it, uh, as we excellent.
2: were going, the kids and the <laughs> the technology, and then so once I realized that they were communicating with people in the building, um, I coach JV basketball. I also have a mentoring program I run at the school, and we all have group group text. And so then I got on my phone, and I was like, everybody check in. And thank God, everybody. (laughs) They all checked in. And I was like, whew. All my basketball players, and I had like seven of them in that building. (laughs) And I knew it. Because when we leave to go play away games, I got to go and round them up. So I was like, yo, please answer. And, um. Then I, some of them didn't have their phones, and but then they were working together. It was like, Coach, you know, I got Ben, or, you know, I, I see so-and-so, and so well. Uh,
1: it also brought out the best in many people, did yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: They were a team. Oh, that's what I loved about all that. So when we came back today, when my fourth hour, we took a picture in my room. We was like, yo, like we're a squad now like (laughs) you can't tell us anything we got out of here survived the battle
1: yeah no
0: doubt
2: we got out of here we got out with everybody my basketball players looked out for each other they made sure everybody was and then now hearing their stories now and people just barely missed it two minutes before he started shooting I was in the bathroom and then I, I left to go five minutes before I was here when he started shooting I was already in the closet you know
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You brought up uh, the, uh, the school resource officer, uh, Officer Scott Peterson. Yeah. Um, I know school resource officers um, in, in uh, South Florida, they, they go through a special training. It's a special selection process. It's not just whoever. I mean, these are people that are vetted and, and trained. And, um, and you said don't judge him. Um,
2: i'm trying not
0: to yeah I imagine it's it's a it's a difficult thing not to and um I'm trying but none to. but nonetheless uh i'm sure there are plenty of people out there that want to judge uh i'm not gonna judge because i've had guns put in my face before,
1: mm. and I know how
0: I reacted, and um it wasn't how I thought I might react it wasn't like a movie yeah. You know, it just wasn't, and um, so I—I I mean, what are your guys' thoughts uh, on this I'm glad guy? you brought
3: that up because I mean, that's the problem in this country, and especially with with I hate to say—you know—the people who are gun enthusiasts, um, even the ones that are my friends—they think that having a gun is going to give them the chance to play. You know, um, you know, uh, Bruce Willis, um, Bruce Willis, and, yeah, exactly, and, and Die Hard. Yeah, um, everybody thinks are going to be Jack McLean, right, and. We don't know exactly what's going to happen when we get into a situation like that, um, you know, unless we have the proper training, unless we've been to war. Yeah, and um, I
2: flinched like a turtle with his head in his shell a football field away.
0: Let alone in the same room. If you're
3: in the same room. Yeah. So just going back, I mean, the whole thing, the whole good, good guy with the gun, I believe, is a fallacy. It's not. I agree. It's not something that is true. It's something you see in Hollywood. It's something you see that you can play on a video game. But when it's real life, I mean, I mean, we saw. It wasn't just. I mean, like, it, you don't have to even have to look at the at what happened in Parkland. I mean, we can go back last year to what happened at Pulse nightclub. Yeah, there was a There were police officers there, and they didn't go in either because um, they didn't know what they were going to encounter.
0: Or they didn't even know exactly what was going on, right, exactly. like you said. I mean, yeah. this guy again. I happen to agree. Yeah. Don't judge so quickly because, yeah. you know, maybe he thought it was over there or over there. Was it firecrackers? Oh, is it? Oh, is it a fire drill? Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't given the alert. Like, there's an active shooter in hallway. You know, three B. Go do your duty. So yeah, I agree. But I mean. You, you've been trained with weapons. You were in the military. I mean, h- how do you think you would have reacted in that situation?
1: You know, at the end of the day, we are humans, and we, um, you know, in, especially in conflictive situations, uh, things that are unexpected. Uh, you think that you are, you've got it, and you're all, you know, ready, but maybe you're not. And and I agree with. Let's not judge. That said, you know I think the argument of the good guy with a gun has been advanced to, to support a, a specific uh, movement. And to sell more guns. Exactly. So I, mean. so I I don't believe in that. I, I believe that um, if you don't have the weapon, it's it's a better option. I mean I don't think there's one thing that can cure what's going on right now. I think it's a multitude of things, but certainly minimizing access to gun has to be one of those things and. Uh, we saw that the good guy with a gun argument didn 't work in this particular case because there was a, a good guy with a gun, and it did he panicked or he misunderstood the situation for whatever reason it it just didn 't work yeah, and it's, it's, so as a result, we have you know you know a lot of people th- that were killed, and um, um, we now go to the argument of course of what what is it this or that of course we also know that. Uh, access to mental health is very, very important. And I was trained, I'm a, I'm a trained social worker, and I was actually, uh, I have a master's in counseling education, so I was also trained as a school counselor. So, you know, what we have seen in the last decade, at least in Florida, is a massive, massive defunding of resources to schools, both in mental health access, school counselors, school supportive personnel. I mean, Florida schools have been decimated, basically, the, funding. Yeah, the mental
0: health care system in this state, for sure. I mean, in, in most of the country, what, what's unfortunately happened, according to the information that I've sought out, is that our police forces have become the de facto mental health care providers and they're not; they're not mental health care providers. Uh, not look, only
1: our police officers, but our emergency rooms and our teachers yes. have become the catch-all for yes. all societal ills that are not being addressed through proper funding or through, through proper programs.
0: Yeah, and I think part of it is, you know, and this is one of the whole reasons that we started this this podcast, Felony Miami, is to shine a light and turn the volume up on these things that should not be stigmatized. Look. There's a lot of emotional illness in this country right now, you know, and there's a lot of mental illness. And the problem is, you know, everybody wants it to be, like like you were saying, uh, like a movie. And, you know, it's not a movie. Everybody knows somebody that's going through some kind of a mental illness. Yeah. Everybody. It's just like everybody has a gay somebody in their mm. family. But, you know, today's kids, they're not haters on that. Oh, yeah, so so so's gay. Next. They want to get married to that guy. Next. They don't care. So I- you know, I believe that these kids have that same uh, thought process with mental and emotional and spiritual health issues, because it is an issue in this country right now, clearly.
1: But I have to tell you, I worked as a, as a, as a social worker at an emergency room in this city. And if you were someone that brought was brought in with mental health problems and you had no insurance, I basically had no place to send you. So the reality is that unless you have insurance that covers mental health services, there are no public resources. There are not places that you can send people for counseling. And even for those few that exist, then you're talking about a waiting list of weeks, months sometimes. So access to mental health services is basically non-existent. And by the way, even if you have insurance, now we have the insurance companies limiting, you know, you can only have so many visits. Sessions, yeah. You can only have this. Um, it, it's it's yeah. all about, again, it's not anybody wanting to really pay for the care that it's really required. Yeah, and
0: well, well, what ha- what happens also is they medicate these kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're medicated because from when the they're little. Because the easy way out. Yeah, they medicate them from when they're little. And then all of a sudden, they become teenagers. They get off the medication. They don't see a real uh, world reality in front of them. And you— and, you add the guns to that, and it becomes
1: lethal mix.
0: Yeah, it becomes a disaster. Mm-hmm. It just, um, yeah, I mean, the, the whole the whole thing with um, the good guy with a gun. Just jumping back to that for a second. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm I'm I like I like your opinion on that. I, I like uh, all of your opinions on that. I just am curious if it's not going to be a good guy with a gun. And it's not gonna be banning guns. Uh, what's it gonna be? What's it gonna actually be? Is it more mental health care? Is it more, is it, is it an age thing if you make the age 21? Is it licensing? You have to have a license to drive a car. You can't just get in the car. You have to wear your seatbelt. It's the law. You have to have insurance. It's the law. Well,
3: I mean, it's a, I think it's, it's a combination of everything. You know, it's like looking at, again, gun restrictions, you know, like again, if, if you're 19, you can't, you, you mean, just like a handgun, you can't buy it until you're 21. I mean, any firearm, right. regardless of what it is. Um, another thing that you just mentioned, insurance. I mean, we got to get insurance on cars, right? Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, there's just a chance is that you might get in an accident. You might you might even kill somebody. It's the law, you know, and, you're gonna, and somebody's going to have to pay for it. Yeah. So why shouldn't you carry insurance for your weapons? If they're used, you know, if they're used in, you know, in a commission of a crime, or if they end up killing somebody, I mean, you think they would love that in America? It's a whole new industry.
0: It would be a whole new capital <laughs> right. industry, hey, right? Gun industry. And, um, you know.
3: and going back to licensing, um, I think another you know, one of the problems that we have in the state is that also there's not enough funding for the agency, the Department of Agriculture, that is in charge of, you know, issuing concealed weapons permits. And I don't think there's enough of a, how should I put it, um. Resources put in to find it. I mean, there's there's no reason why, like, Nicholas Cruz can walk into a, a gun shop and be able to pull a gun off the shelf knowing his background, knowing how many times the police had went to his house, knowing what he was posting on social media. If there's a way for gun sellers to have that information, you're guaranteed they're not going to sell a gun. Because,
2: I mean, that's that's one can thing. I jump in one second. Because yeah. 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 Um, you're right. And you've said... A couple of ways here, you said uh, resources, we need more resources, because what it all comes down to, and this is the third rail that no one and you know, why things cannot get done, is the difference between small governments and a government of appropriate size. To do that, to make sure the background check system is fully dataed up and that everyone has access to it, there needs to be someone who's responsible for that. Do you want to put it in the hands of a private company? Maybe you could do that and privatize it. Um, To have, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just a primrose path type of guy, but then I'm letting everybody's mad, you know, the FBI didn't do this. Can you imagine how many tips the FBI gets? To run down every tip, you need resources to do that. The BSO guys who didn't necessarily, you know, they followed up with... And it's because I work with it's the Broward kids, County like, Sheriff's Office. Broward yeah. County Sheriff's Office. I work with kids in the school system. I've worked with several kids, not necessarily school shooter potential, but there's a lot of troubled kids, yeah. and the school is only equipped to do but so much. When you get a kid like Nicholas Cruz, who in our school we did everything we could do, he gets expelled. And he's now there is no transition, there is no hey we couldn't handle this bad apple here you go, police or whoever whoever right, yeah. he's now in the world,
0: just let out yeah you know just, just like wild.
2: anybody else yeah. but so who, how do you track that that yeah. there's a, and it all comes down to infrastructure some people say bureaucracy if you don't want to have a larger government then you got to be willing to privatize it. Either way, you're going to have to pay taxes and these are the arguments that we cannot uh, mend in our country. That argument about taxes or no taxes, come on. (laughs) There's no way you're, you know, so if you really want to do the background check thing properly, nationwide, who's funding it?
0: Yeah, listen, I think anything on guns, uh, you guys tell me your thoughts on this, but uh, I think it Anything to be effective would need to have to happen at the federal level. I don't think it can happen on the state level to have any effect. And I go back to the to the um, thing that you mentioned earlier, Frank, that some of these companies just taking personal responsibility yeah, have, yeah. is is huge. And I think, listen, I don't think anybody would disagree that more personal responsibility is a good thing. You know, I mean, I can speak for myself as a, as a human being on this planet for fifty plus years, that most of my biggest problems, most of my biggest troubles in my own personal life, have occurred when I did not have my own personal responsibility mm-hmm. in line. When I didn't take responsibility for my own actions, and when I have, things work out right. When I face these things and deal with them up front, because. Look, bottom line is, this is an issue that has been being swept under the rug. Oh, tragedy. Oh, it's horrible. Thoughts and prayers, you know, out of the thing. What is that? Seriously? Okay, we're getting the facts, everyone. The fax line hasn't <laughs> rang here in two years. But, uh, and for those of you who are younger, a fax machine is it's this <laughs> machine that it sends a, a... A text. A text. <laughs> a line... Pr- exactly. a line pr- exactly. It's a
1: first-generation text machine. <laughs> it's a first-generation texting <laughs> device. <Yeah.
0: laughs> oh, next, Joe, we're going to talk about checks. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, sorry for that interruption. but uh, Yeah, I mean, listen, bottom line is, personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, this country's been sweeping this issue under the rug. you know every time we have a tragedy, uh, people ra- raise up their voices and then it seems to just you know quiet down and go away just like everything else does. Mm-hmm. Um, but like every one of you has said today at this table, there seems to be something a little different this time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it is the kids. I think it's the kids that, that experience this firsthand. I think it's because these kids are kids that have some privilege, mm-hmm. and and they're not. And it seems like they're not going to squander it. It seems like they're going to take this privilege that they've been given, and they're going to try to put it to good use
2: with the privilege. Because privilege sometimes has a, a connotation that's negative. Um, I think what I was trying to say earlier, because it is a, a certain amount of privilege, but um, they understand how government works.
0: Right, and with great privilege comes great exactly. responsibility.
2: You understand? Yes. yes. And they s- have
1: because had of enough of, education to understand how the system works. Right. And education
2: right. from school, but also from the communities in which they live. They live next door to state representatives. You right. understand? You right. understand what I'm saying? Yeah, they see how it works. Yes, they know and these are
0: people, and, and they and, understand
2: right. how. I'll give you um, one. And I was like, uh, one of the kids at the, um, at the town hall. He's talking to Marco Rubio, and he he gave him a, a valid question. He says, we have enough people in here. If all these people gave say $10, we probably could replace whatever the NRA is donating to you. So at that point, his argument is no longer the emotional, Hey, you know, don't you feel bad? Kids are getting shot. His argument is no longer, um, you know, Oh, we shouldn't do this because it's bad. Because of where he's come from he's, He understands right. Oh if the thing is money Well I can get you some money <laughs> Right If money is what the issue is right. Then and We're
1: gonna get you some. We
2: can get you some money as long as you agree not to take the NRA money. Yeah, so you know, I you know, I
0: get the other side of it also because I've had conversations with people that believe in what the NRA's yes. charter is all about, and you know that that it's the ultimate check and balance. You know, mm-hmm. we have our three branches of government that are supposed to check each other, and our, uh, our you know how it's supposed to work. But uh, you know, as Doctor B would say, mm-hmm. you know, one of our felony Miami contributors, he'd say, no. The guns are the people's ultimate check and balance, mm-hmm. and you know what? I want to have the right in case the the government gets out of control. Uh, I, so I, 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 I see both sides right. of it. Well, and- well,
3: the, the ironic thing about that argument is that you know they're like the, you know the mo- most people that will you know say that I want the you know I want my gun to keep government in check right. are the ones that you know will 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 put you down for kneeling during the. National anthem Yeah, <laughs> Because you know, like you're not supporting the troops. Yeah.
1: Well, you know I, I, mean? I think what the <laughs> what I see wrong with the NRA issue is that they have in essence terrorized the conversation about guns. It's almost like you you can't even have that conversation. It's not that they don't have a right to advance their agenda and they should, but it's the fact that we can because and I'm telling you from from the for example the Tallahassee perspective, you can't even have you can't even talk about gun control. Mm-mm. Okay, let You let, were a
0: state let, representative. Correct. Did you ever have this actual conversation?
1: Yes, yes I did. And and the fact is that in Tallahassee even, t- even mentioning the word gun was like non you can't. You that was like a prohibited argument. And any kind of legislation that had to do with guns would never see the light of day. It would never come to the floor. It would never go to a committee because everybody seemed to be afraid of the NRA. And the NRA lobbyist, well, Mary Hammer, Hammer and she seemed to have this power and hold over people. Yeah. And so that is where I have a problem. What I believe is if you want to put forward a, a piece of legislation on gun control, you should be able to bring it to the floor. Now, people should vote however they want for or against it. Being that the majority likely are pro-gun, it's not going to pass. But we owe the people of the state of Florida the ability to have the representative bring forth their ideas and truly represent them. Mm -hmm. And that is not what's happening in Tallahassee.
2: What the great success of the NRA is, and I say this as a a writer, is they have told the country a fantastic story. They have tied gun ownership to being intrinsically American patriotism patriotism Mm -hmm. to nationalism to it is part of your Americanness to you know fight against tyranny and that's their greatest because they've they've told that story and you know you hear people all the time it's like well even when you read it you know for the uh, some about a militia and so and so and so and it's You know, very, it's not necessarily clear that it means that me and you can bear arms, maybe. However, you want to spin it, they've told a fantastic story. And then the last piece I'll say about when people are like, oh, I want to, just in case the government gets crazy, Andre 3000 has a lyric um, on um, his very first album with Outkast. He said, man, you're talking about those gats. They made those gats. They got some shit that'll blow out your back from where they stay at. Exactly. So, yeah. so right, you're right. gonna
0: no. And I brought that same argument yeah. up. Like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna <laughs> go up against the U.S. military. Yeah,
3: you're not gonna win a war against. You're drugs. not gonna. It's <laughs> no. not
0: gonna happen. You, you and know? your friend are about AR-15. AR- <laughs> against... <laughs> yeah. The thing about the NRA is they've been around since the 1870s, right? I mean, it's not mm. a new thing, mm-hmm. and their story has, their whole narrative has changed. Throughout the years, you know, in the '40s, '50s, '60s, it was all about hunting and you know, the, the right to have your gun to go hunting right. and hunting. And then in the '70s and '80s, when we had incredibly bad crime, their whole narrative changed. That you need a gun to protect mm-hmm. yourself because they're coming for you. They're going to come and get you. Mm-hmm. You know, and and now their whole narrative is, uh, you know, keep your you know keep your hands off of my gun. The famous Charlton Heston, mm-hmm. you know, from yeah. like Cold Dead Hands, you know, yeah. which is. Listen, it's almost like this one group is like their own little government, you know, mm-hmm. this NRA. And it seems – now you see what's happening. Delta, they got a big fight going on. Uh, yeah, in Georgia. Got, yeah. yeah, in Georgia. I mean, th- these people have politicized that whole thing. They were asking for a tax uh, break on some fuel. Uh, they wanted to make it like they were mm-hmm. not going to give them the tax break. But it, they were fighting them a week before that saying – what we're not said, gonna. We don't want to give it to them anyway. The Republicans said we don't want to give this to these mm. people. Mm-hmm. So now they jumped on and said, "Hey, let's say no," just to politicize <laughs> yeah. it. So right. that's bullshit. Also, bottom line is this: some of these other companies are acting responsible. They're disassociating themselves from the NRA. Mm-hmm. How long is that going to last? Is it going to last a month? Well, I'll, six months? A year? Are they well, gone for good? On that
2: particular, what you see right there, at least in my opinion, is the difference between capitalism and government. Walmart, Dix, Delta, as much of those, that's them being responsible. It's also them looking at their market and looking at their demographic and saying it's beneficial for us to be on this side of this capitalism. It's capitalism. yeah, right. It's yeah. pure, you know, in which is not a bad thing. No. that's one of the reasons why capitalism can work, especially when paired with a democracy. It's right. a huge it's because the democracy country. fails in some regard. The market might be able to push, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. correct it. You know correct what I mean? Something. Yeah, yeah that's why you got cap Absolutely. and trade and all them, yeah. all these ideas and all of that. Yeah. So, all and so to your question, how long will it last? If the pressure continues, um, if our students at Marjorie Stuman Douglas can can continue it, can keep the energy alive, the more the pressure maintains the better chance you have of more companies saying, Hey look, we're not gonna sell. You wanna buy your gun, buy it, just buy it, you know, somewhere else. If it dicks to say that, I think they're like the second or third or something Walmart and dicks are pretty yeah. much the top yeah. two, actually. Yeah, That's huge. These like,
0: companies, yeah.
1: And, and 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 let me tell you something else. I think the they also realize that we have I I don't know how many millions of kids who are now seventeen who are going to be uh, eligible to vote yeah. in the uh-huh. next midterm elections and definitely a few more millions who are a- going to be able to vote in 2020. Yeah. And they realize that, you know, they're coming because they are now energized. We know that traditionally, your lowest voting block has been the younger folks. The seniors have been the more traditional, more reliable yes. voters. But now we see a new generation There's the saying, wait a minute, I have, a, I have a say in this, and it's going to be with my vote. Yeah. And that if that doesn't send a, a real and strong message to everyone that these kids are coming, I don't know what else will.
0: Yeah, well, I hope that we can help to keep these kids motivated. I really do, because I've personally – I've always been civic-minded and tried to uh, – Get people. I'm one of those guys that I go out and during campaign season, and I stand in the corner and I register people to vote. You know, it's just something I feel like I like to do. It's Mm -hmm. one of the very few things that I do. And I've seen a generation of people completely disenchanted and disconnected, and not even not even caring to be involved or wanting to know what's involved. And those are the people that are like in their late twenties and thirties right now. Mm And it's that generation that that they just, because they didn't want to be involved. And that's one of the things that I'm thrilled about with this next generation of kids that are coming up to voting age. They seem like they want to be involved. And you know, listen, America was built on activism. This country was built on activism. It's all grassroots stuff. You're not gonna see big changes from the top down. It never happens that way in this country. It always happens from from the ground mm. up
1: and, um, and and let me tell you these kids have killer social media skills oh yeah i mean they they access that they have to communication is like one no no one had ever had before so, they are utilizing that. They know they're very skilled at it. They're using it, and that is definitely advancing their agenda because, in the past, different groups will have to then find money, mm-hmm. you know, like the NRA or other groups to put out their, their message mm-hmm. in media, television, whatever. And that was costly, and, and it required organization, it, and it required yes. bureaucracy. They don't need that. Mm-hmm. They can just go straight to their Facebook or their Instagram or Twitter, or whatever, and put out something. It goes viral, and there, boom, you have it.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, I just I, I want to thank everybody. This has uh, been an incredible episode of Felony Miami. It's uh, it's a conversation that needs to continue. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I just want to thank everyone for their thoughts and their input today. Um, it's uh, It's been enlightening, and Chris, thank you so much for um, you know getting real and showing some emotion here today. That, that, <laughs>
2: I'm so uh, tired of yeah. crying and being weepy, man. I yeah. haven't cried yeah, this much right. my entire life. Right. Like. Let, it,
0: let it out. Listen, if more of us in this country <laughs> we're, were okay to to show our emotions and cry every now and then, I think we'd be a whole lot better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Daisy, thank you so much yeah. for taking time out of your busy schedule. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, Frank... We respect and appreciate your work. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I want to, for all of us here at Felony Miami, extend our condolences to the victims and the families and everybody involved in this horrible Parkland situation and also extend our hope and uh, enthusiasm for you all to continue to make a change and to keep this movement going forward. For Felony Miami, I'm Joe Stone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.